Hello, my fine friends. Thank you for choosing my podcast to listen to. We're powered by ACAS Plus. You can join uh, ACAS Plus if you want to get lots of bonuses. Google Rahalastapa and ACAS Plus and you'll get right there. There's lots of fun stuff to get. Um, Rahalastapa tour is nearly over. 21st of March, I'm at Bedford Corn Exchange. I'm talking to Olaf Falafel, who's a very funny children's author and stand-up comedian, and Al Murray, the pub landlord and historian man. And a friend of mine, uh, it should be fantastic, who went to Bedford, went to school in Bedford. It should be amazing. There's plenty of tickets left for that one. Uh, Glasgow on the 27th and Hull on the 28th. They're both sold out, but do keep checking the sites for returns. And uh, occasionally we put some comps back on sale, so there may be a chance to buy tickets. The main thing, though, is that I am going to be on tour doing stand-up, and I would love you to come. Uh, it's uh, from... It starts officially in May, but so uh, there's a few tryouts in April and March. So I'm at the Bill Murray. I'm at um, various places, Luton Hat Factory and uh, the Berry Hedge End. I don't even know where that is before going into a big tour where I'm going all over the place. It's selling in various degrees. Glasgow sold out. They've added an extra date. Uh, Chorley sold out, joined the waiting list. Uh, but a lot of the others have plenty of tickets. So... Do go and come to see that. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour for all those tour dates. RichardHerring.com slash Rahalastapa for the remaining Rahalastapa dates. And uh, yeah, and then I'm going to take a little break from doing Rahalastapas. It'll be nice. We've got loads in the bank. Uh, so I hope you're enjoying them. I think there's some very high quality ones from this tour. Uh, so do keep listening. Do keep telling your friends. RichardHerring.com for all your Richard Herring needs. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another Rahalastapa. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So will you please welcome this week's guest. He is the author of Evolutionary Psychology and uh, the visiting professor of psychology at the University of South Wales, which is a sensible thing to do in South Wales. Just visit. <laughs> please welcome Professor Lance Workman, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Hello, Lance. Sit down. you sit down. Pull up a mic. Bring your own water on by all means. <laughs> I'm sorry, we forgot to bring it. There we go. We've got, it's, this, it's the sword in the stone. So, um, Dr. Lance Workman, Professor Lance Workman, which is a good name. If, you, you know, if, the, if, the, if the academia doesn't work out for you, you can go straight into being a porn star with a Lance. <laughs> Lance Workman. Yeah, it's good. Have everyone. I'll give it a try. Give it a try. So, um, could you just could you explain, first of all, for people who don't know, what uh, evolutionary psychology is? 
as in your well, book? Well, as explained in my book, a 2014 34.99 available from all good bookstores. It's, it's really expensive, but it is good. <laughs> the, the basic idea about evolutionary psychology is that um, we were created by our genes in, in a past environment, and we have the legacy of those genes. So the sort of motivational things that helped our ancestors to survive and pass their genes on are still with us today, and we have to kind of overcome that, if you like. So the basic idea is we've got a sort of Stone Age brain in a, in a computer age uh, body, and culture has moved on faster than our genes can keep up. That's the basic tendency. Yeah. It's better explain things at that ultimate level. So, wow. <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting heckled. You get, get heckled it's much. in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded slightly sarcastic, like, going, wow, we're going to sit through 30 minutes of this shit. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. We might do longer now, just for you. Um, so, um, how does, so, I suppose what I'm interested in is good and evil. So, how does morality develop? I mean, are, mm. are there any other uh, animals that have morality? Or are, we, are human Ooh. beings the only ones with Oh, that's a big one. Is it? Um, OK, sorry. Yeah. No, I think I can have a stab <laughs> at that. <laughs> one of the interesting things is if you look at our relatives, the primates, they tend to um, attack cheats. If, if, if individuals take more than they should or don't put back into the system what they should, they yeah. tend to be ostracised, which is quite interesting, unless they're really big and strong, in which case you can't, you yeah. know. But generally, amongst the primates, the higher primates, the great apes, you need coalitions, you need people that you've supported in the past, and then they'll reciprocate. And this notion of reciprocation seems to be something we've taken to a much greater level. So it's not just us. No. Yeah. So, we, but then, so that develops into then creating right and wrong somehow, with beyond just how much food you're taking from the pile. Yes, I mean, we've taken it to a much, much greater level. They, they tend to pair off, and, for example, if you've been groomed, say a vervet monkey, for example, if it's been groomed by another vervet monkey, if you grab hold of that other vervet monkey, the other one will come up and try and defend it. Yeah. So they tend to do it in pairs and slightly larger groups. But we tend to have generalised that to the population. So we engage in this thing called reciprocal altruism at a mild level, but we expect everybody else to reciprocate. So if you, if you do me a favour, you know, you'll expect it back, even if you're not saying that consciously. And we extend that to the group in general. Yeah. The monkeys don't disapprove of grooming, though, in the same way we do. Uh, <laughs> it's quite nice, actually. In monkeys, just, just to make that clear. Or very so close. It's, it's a different. It is a different. It's a slightly different thing. Um, and uh, um, I don't. I can't understand what makes a man hate another man. Help me understand. Uh, I'm quoting uh, the 1980s band Depeche Mode. There. Uh, <laughs> Can you help me understand I mean, they pass um, mode, understand Yeah, that? Uh, there's two things going on there. The, the first one is that one thing we do know from our evolutionary past, and this occurs with, with our relatives as well, uh, but it is highly developed in us, is that we are in-group, out-group bias. We show an in-group, out-group bias. So what we tend to do is the group that we belong to, we think that they're better than the other group, and we tend to exaggerate their good qualities. And the out-group, we tend to think they're not as good as us, and we kind of play down their good qualities. And then we kind of criticise them, and we put sort of blue water between us. Yeah. The astonishing thing is, when you actually get with that other group, you find they're better than you thought if you spend <laughs> enough time with them. Yeah. Now, so what you then have to add is that we are tit-for-tat strategists. We're strong tit-for-tat strategists. And what we tend to do is up the odds. This is how wars start, basically. Yeah. So if the other group, if a member of the other group does something bad to you, 
you tend to exaggerate that. Your group tends to get behind you and exaggerate it, and you end up going too far and doing bad things because the other group are different to you and because they've, they've done this tit-for-tat thing, and you've got to get back at them. Do you spend a lot of time researching Twitter and the various ways that that, that exact thing happens all the time on Twitter? Not me personally, but the people who do, and that does yeah. seem to happen. The, the, it starts off as a mild sort of criticism, and then the other person comes up with a stronger one, and it kind of it ends in war. Yeah. It starts with Twitter, ends in war. Yeah. So, it's good to know. But not all wars were started by Twitter, though, right? They're not that... Probably there were not. wars pre pre Twitter wars. There were a few that yeah. came back before before Twitter. So that's kind of quite interesting. I think that um, I guess that does happen in war that the uh, the enemy is always perceived as evil and you, we're perceived as good. So in that example of America versus Al Qaeda, it's like Al Qaeda are evil and America is good. Unless you think about it for one second. Uh, so. <laughs> So that, that, that's quite interesting. Well, another reason we do bad things is because we are indoctrinatable because of the in-group, out-group belief that we have to start off with. Yeah. Yeah. This, this thing could be shown to be false. It, it can be shown by merging groups together and changing the group boundaries. You can do experiments that do that. But basically, leaders can say to you, right, these other people are quite evil. They're not quite like us. And then they're really quite bad, and their leader's evil, and those that support him are evil. And they're probably planning something like maybe making some weapons of mass destruction <laughs> they could unleash in 15 minutes and, and we're all going to be, you know, in great danger. And, and once you get this in-group, out-group thing and you, you hear these stories, you then think, well, actually, it's against most of us to go and harm somebody. But once you are indoctrinated in that way with the out-group, you yeah. can go over and kill them. So is that innate, though, or is that, so is that within us anyway, or to, to be exploited in that way, or is that something we learn through, uh, through that, life? That's a big question. It's, it is. It's, it's something... I mean, one thing evolutionary psychology about is, is not about is that hardwired genetic determinism. It's not about that. It's about gravitating towards certain ways of learning that are reinforcing and rewarding and finding other things punishing. So we tend to gravitate towards things. So we gravitate towards the group. We tend to simplify how life is and we tend to think that members of our group are great and they're good and members of other groups aren't so good. And, and again, what they've done in America is some really great experiments. They've got Americans who are Afro-Caribbean origin and European origin that have some slight racist views against each other. Yeah. Then they get them to play together in teams and things and the racism comes right down extremely fast because the one thing they find is, oh, they're not as different as we thought. They're actually just like us. Yeah. So you can actually override it. So it's partly learned, and it's easy to learn these things by people that want to indoctrinate you, but you can unlearn it. Yeah. So we're not innately racist. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. But it's really easy to make us racist if you, if you want to... If you push the right buttons, you, 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 can, you can do it. Yeah, yeah. OK. Uh, <laughs> not that you should. No, and so given that it's obviously good that we uh, work together at stuff, what are the the evolutionary advantages of being of going against that and being either within your own group or by disobeying the morals that have been set down within your own group? Well, one, moral, one, one model, I should say, is the notion that psychopaths, for example, people with certain personality disorders, particularly psychopaths or antisocial personality disorder, they're kept in the population because they manipulate this low level of reciprocation that we expect, and they do it in often a charming or clever way. So what you find is you do them a favour and then when you expect it back, they've either left the area, and it's usually a big favour, yeah. or they're not really very well, but maybe they'll help next time. 
Um, now, the mathematics of the evolutionary argument predict 3% of the population will be psychopaths. They'll be okay. free riders. <laughs> and actually, the evidence suggests it is about 3%. So say, for example, there's, what, 200 people here? Yeah. Right? So six of them, by chance, will be psychopaths. We, we could have a show of hands, if you like. To... <laughs> could all those who are psychopaths put their hand up and see if we can count you? No, no one's admitting to it, I don't think. That's the other thing, they lie. <laughs> <laughs> so the six in here, that proves it. Yeah, there you that go. Does, you yeah, they you do have lie. proved it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so you think most sort of evil is driven by the. What, what, what makes mm. us. What, what, what's the psychopath missing in their brain or whatever to make them behave that differently? But there is evidence that what we have are things called mirror neurons, and that's basically when, say you're in pain, and I, and I say, Richard, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm not feeling very well, so I'm not very well at all. The same neurons in my brain, called mirror cells, will fire. Now, in a psychopath, they, they may fire or they may not, but the next bit behind that in the brain that then assesses what to do about that is different. So they can get the feeling of pain and discomfort and emotional bad things going on, yeah. but it's what—that's the next stage of processing does actually seem to be different in their brains okay. and then maintaining the population. Now, I use them as an extreme example. The other 97%, there are, as you said earlier, shades of grey. Yeah. There are times when you can manipulate the system, but one of the reasons we probably have guilt and shame is so that we don't do that too much too often because we could be ostracised from the system. Yeah, and what I found quite interesting in the book was the idea that... Uh, there are trigger things that make you feel like something is immoral, which isn't you don't you don't think necessarily think is immoral. As a comedian, I find this a lot. You do a joke about something, and people just hear the you know a word in the joke, like you know you're doing a show about a Hitler moustache, and they, for example, and they they decide they don't like that show because they've assumed what it is. They they think that's offensive to do that without then listening to what the thing is. So is there, that's that's something you talk about in the book about yes. body works. Yes, body body works. Um, there was a, a guy who actually had people who died agreed to have their bodies taken apart, plasticised, and shown as an art exhibition. Yeah. And a large proportion of society wouldn't go and see that because it was morally wrong. But it's a, it's a, it's a moral um, illusion because where's the moral problem? The, the, the people that agreed to have it done, people that agreed to go and see it, and the artists agreed to do it. Yeah. But there's a certain gut feeling that says that's morally wrong. And, and sometimes the wrong sort of bits light up. Let me give you an example. Um, imagine that you were watching a train line and five people walked on that train line, okay? Now, you can switch, um, you can switch tracks because there's a train coming along. I should have explained that bit. <laughs> it's going to kill these five people foolishly walking on the train line. You can switch the track so it goes to another line and there's one person walking on that line. So you don't know any of these people. Would you pull that switch to kill one person to save five people? I'd shout, get off the tracks, there's a train coming! <laughs> um, I, would, yeah. I probably would switch the tracks at that point. OK, most people would. Yeah. Now try this one out. You're standing on a bridge, there's a train running towards another five foolish people walking on the track, and there's no switch. But there's a man standing next to you, a large man, and you can push him over the bridge to yeah. collide with the train and you'll kill him, but you'll save the other five people. Would you, would you push him off the bridge? I wouldn't be sure that that would work. I might kill all <laughs> six of them. Um, I guess if uh, it is a, diff <laughs> it's a different uh, problem, because yeah. you're then committing... 
I mean, it's not really a different problem, but you are then kids of committing actual murder with your hands rather than... That's it. So, yeah, That's so... it. You've spotted the difference. The first one is a moral, impersonal decision. You press a button, you, you flick a switch. Yeah. Most of us have it within us, probably 95% of it, don't actually want to hurt people unless we're really pushed. Yeah. And we'd find it, it's, it's against our instincts to kill somebody. But that's moral and personal. When you actually physically push the guy off the bridge, it's moral personal. And we know this because if you put somebody in an fMRI scan, different bits of the brain line up when you give them the second scenario. Bits of the frontal lobe that say, don't do it! <laughs> so it may well be in our hunter-gatherer path that the, we had actually mechanisms to stop us from doing those really bad things. But we didn't have switches and buttons now, you know? Yeah. So, we're not, we're not up to date with today's world. We haven't evolved to deal with it. But if you it. ask a psychopath the yeah. first question, yeah. he might say, I'll leave the train going to kill the five people because yes. four people will die, and that yes. would be fun. Unless he's lying. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard to tell. Uh, it is very... That sort of, it is interesting because it, it, you do sort of... People will act as if all these questions are very black and white. You know, you would never shoot a baby in the face, but what if that baby was about to launch a nuclear attack on, on another... So you'd... <laughs> And you just had a gun. You know, they have to, you can't just make a decision, because what if the baby is about... To, maybe accidentally. Just is playing around near the nuclear button. <laughs> um, I, I just once had to do that. That's why that's... Why that's it That's happens. why that's at the top of my mind. And I just... I winged the baby. It didn't die. So... <laughs> it was all right. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, I don't know if we've really answered this one um already, but um, it's just, uh, in what way did morality originally develop and how, do, how was it decided, do you think, that what was right and wrong in, in the initial stages? Is it, is it, have we sort of answered that or not? I can't, no, I don't no. think so. I, I think there's three ways you can explain a moral code, what's right and what's wrong. The first one is God, a deity. He decides and that's it, like the commandments you were, you were doing earlier. Yeah. The second thing is that each culture individually decides what's right and wrong. And they, they determine it. The third thing is that we have some sort of an evolutionary um, predisposition, not hard and fast hardwiring, but to gravitate towards certain things being right and wrong. Yeah. And that's a more of a sort of God's out of the equation. 
social conditioning's in there, but it's a lower role than it used to have, according to, to my belief system, if you like. So there are certain things that we find are morally wrong because they would have paid our ancestors. So non-reciprocation is one of the things that's morally wrong. That's why we feel guilt and shame, for example. But other things, when you think about it, an evolutionary angle gives you a, a good explanation. For example, um, why is it wrong to have sex with my sister? Why, why shouldn't I have sex with my sister? What's wrong well, with me that? Me or you? Uh, <laughs> it's okay for you. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's not a problem. Right. Except well, your well, wife's well, backstage, okay, you know. Yeah. Um, that's true. But, <laughs> and uh, your sister's probably in Wales. It's a long way to go. <laughs> I, I, don't, I haven't even seen what she looks like yet. As it happens, a picture, and then we'll, uh... as it happens <laughs> I can say these things because I don't have a sister. Oh, okay, I'd probably right. feel really, really bad if I did, but I'm speaking hypothetically. Would you but... be prepared to dress up as your sister so I can... <laughs> Not, not, not we anymore. Off, we're kind no. of getting off the point. Not, not these days. But, but the question is, what's wrong with it? Why, what is wrong with me having sex with my sister? Why, why should that be a problem? But you find in every single society, it's wrong. And it's not only wrong, it's a very bad thing. Yeah. And it's not only naughty, it's disgusting. But when you think about it, that probably came about through natural selection. Because if you have sex with somebody who's closely related to you, you have these nasty things called double recessive deleterious genes. So you get two copies of it and it affects the baby. So you probably won't have grandchildren. So natural selection probably guided you away from that. Then society's layered on top of that and finds ways of ensuring you don't have sex with your sister. Yeah. And the acid test to that is that not only is it universal that people aren't allowed to do that, but the primates have incest avoidance strategies as well. So, you know, it, it's probably evolutionary very old. Right. But then a lot of moral systems, you know, from culture to culture and time to time aren't, you know, completely different. So, you know, yeah. I think you mentioned the book about you know, people not eating cows and other people eating cows, and that's obviously a decision that's made somewhere culturally. Yes. Um, I, there are certain crimes that are, that are seen universally, so much so, like the incest one everywhere, that it's probably got some sort of evolutionary basis. It still involves learning and culture. I'm not downplaying that, but it's layered on top of that, and other things like homicide. The only way we can commit homicide for the 97% of us that aren't psychopaths is this thing about being manipulated by leaders who say, well, they've got weapons of mass destruction, so you can go and kill them. That's okay. Yeah. It gets you over that. It's no longer homicide because they're slightly dehumanised. So we do tend to gravitate towards these things. But then there are these more very specific ones which are generally thought of as lesser crimes, like you mustn't eat a cow or whatever. Yeah. And then you can actually build models that it may be in those countries where they don't eat cows, that they need the milk more than the beef, you know. And that's when you start to push the edges of the argument, how well does that stand up? Yeah. But then oh, sometimes morality changes very, very quick within, quickly within a uh, culture. I mean, there's the, the, sort of... Uh, now, for example, we're talking about paedophilia, uh, which we weren't. Uh, and then uh, I was just thinking about it. Uh, they, but I, I was, they recently showed a clip of uh, the, uh, the paedophile information exchange guys who were interviewed on Newsnight in, like, 1980... A, they called themselves the Paedophile Information Exchange, which, you know, 20, 30 years later, you can't imagine any paedophile going, yep, I'm a paedophile. Uh, and, and B, they had an information exchange and that was allowed to happen. And so that has very rapidly turned around. Like, paedophilia has become, although I don't think anyone in the 1780s was really approving of it, that it's become like the, you know, almost the worst thing in society yes. that quick, that rapidly. Is there, yes, is I, there... I agree. It's always been bad. But, <laughs> but you know, people like Jimmy Savile, it, it's so in yeah. the news now, that we all bend over backwards to say how terrible it is. Yeah. It always... Sorry. As long as you're bending over backwards. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but, 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 
but coming on to what you're saying, things do change very rapidly. You know, uh, as you said, you know, Mary was 12 when she got pregnant. Yeah. You know, it's quite young. It um, but, you know, you could get married 500 years ago when you were 12 or, or younger. And in some cultures today, in some tribal cultures, they just wait till you have the first period. Then you're marriageable. You know, if you did yeah. that, it would be disgusted. But it's quite natural in some societies. So there are, there are these subtle differences, and they yeah. do change over time. Yeah. But then that's very... Is there, is, there any kind of, is there any reason why something would happen that fast? It's just the, is that just the modern age that things can spread, that information it... can spread that quickly? <laughs> oh, this, we're getting ourselves into terrible trouble just to, <laughs> to carry on. Yeah. Uh, every question I, becomes a I, I think question. one of the big messages of evolutionary psychology is there are, there are things we're doing today that we probably haven't evolved to do in quite that way, and therefore they lead to all sorts of problems. It, it, it seems highly unlikely that one in five people in our evolutionary past had psychological problems, but they probably didn't have the stresses and strains of today. I mean, it's much better to live today because we live longer. You know, yeah. we've got hygiene and antibiotics and colour TV, you know, but there is a downside to it as yeah. well. Uh, is, it, is there any... There's a clash between most moral systems and our, and our, our own impotent, natural impetus, is there, wasn't it? And our, our instinct is to, you know, is to say if there wasn't society holding us back, we might go out and kill people, we might go out and have extramarital sex, we wouldn't be married or whatever. Maybe our impetus is to do those things. Um, well, certainly in modern-day cultures, I mean, Stephen Pinker wrote a book about this, the, the murder rate is much, 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 much lower because it actually benefits people to get together and have things like a state with a police force and these sorts of things. So we may knock them, but actually the murder rate compared to tribal um, societies, which yeah. presumably are relatively similar to how we were 10, 20,000 years ago. The murder rate is huge. If you look at the Yanomamo of, of South America, 50% um, of adult males have killed another person. Right. And, you know, we think, oh, it's quite bad and in London. And the other London. 50% are dead, presumably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought that one yeah. through, actually. <laughs> Just not quick enough, the other 50%. That's... But it's could be because but sometimes moral systems then create their own psychological problems, you know. So if you're telling people that having sex, you know, with more than one person or whatever, or having sexual thoughts, like the, the Bible's full of even just if you lust in your mind, which is obviously something you're instinctively going to do. Mm. So that then leads... So morality can lead to some negative places as well, you know. Yeah, yes, it, it can. Um, I think one of the interesting things about humans is, Unlike 99% of mammals, and it's even true of the great apes in general, we are very much a pair-bonding species. You know, it may not last forever, but we give it a try. You know? um, and we may well have evolved to do that because the human baby is born so immature, because the head is so big. You know, it's born very immature. Yeah. It, has, it takes almost 20 years to grow up. So it may well have paid the female to give some of the work to the male. He still doesn't do enough. You know, I'm not trying to say he does as much as the mother does. But this is called parental investment, and humans are high in male parental investment. Yeah. And therefore, we probably invented love, or we evolved love, in order to keep that strong pair bond going, and this helps us to pass on our genes. But once you've invented that, you have this whole moral system based around it about, well, you shouldn't be looking at her, yeah. you shouldn't be thinking about her. And if you think about it, a lot of our drama is about... Are you going to, you know, do you have a good reputation? Are you going to be faithful? From Othello to, to EastEnders, it's all about, well, I wouldn't trust him, mate. He's a little bit dodgy, that one. I wouldn't trust him. <laughs> yeah. That's from Othello, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, Not sure I got there. <laughs> 
Let me just say, I think we've, I think we've nearly covered everything. I just did think of something else, then you made a joke and it put me off. Sorry about that. It's all right. I'll try not to. I'm not used to it. I'm, I'm like, uh, I do the funnies, that's the, my job. <laughs> I'm like Lemper Opic, that's who I'm like, that's who I'm most like. <laughs> so why, why didn't God just make us with morality imbued within us if he was so interested in us being good? Um, <laughs> it's in the book. Is it? Um, <laughs> there is no God. <laughs> well, we, we try and sort of sidestep God a little bit in evolution, if we can. Yeah. You know, we tend to, to go with Darwin more than God, generally. OK. Well, you know, you might come to regret that. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> it, it, it's possible. Just hedge your bets a little bit, that's all I'd say. We can still, you can still well, be there. As you said earlier, I can, I can believe in evolution and Darwin until I'm on my deathbed, and then as long as I embrace God Change and forget about Darwin, I'm OK. Yeah. That's right. As long as you do the last minute, as long as you don't slag off the Holy Ghost. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what, does that, what part does the Holy Ghost play in evolutionary psychology? No, don't, don't answer that. Um, <laughs> I think, I think uh, is there, unless there's anything, I think we've kind of covered it pretty well. There. I, I think we've got, we've got it sussed. I think that was I really think good. the audience are convinced now and they're going to go and buy the book. Yes. <laughs> they should, you should buy the book. I've only read the two chapters, the two paragraphs that equate uh, to this, but they were really good. So uh, do go and buy. In, and remember, Will Reader also wrote this. He that's did an, a few bits. That's another funny name, he, isn't it? Will Reader. Going to get Does teased, he exist, he? or is he there Will for tax Reader. purposes? Yeah. <laughs> Will Reader, I'll come in, I'll read your will for you, mate. Yeah, off you, off you go. <laughs> and now I'll write about evolutionary psychology. Uh, uh, good, uh, we'll cut all the end of this. And, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, please give a massive round of applause to Professor Lance Workman. <laughs> I've only read the... Would you like them sky potatoes? <laughs> Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. No, this isn't a podcast about milk. If you like historical intrigue, a bit of culture, and a sprinkling of controversy, this one's for you. I'm Rachel Stewart, and I'm travelling around Europe, following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world by force, by chance, or by choice. No need to pack your bags. Just subscribe to Don't Drink the Milk wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you very much for listening to my podcasts. Listen to some more. Tell your friends about these podcasts. We're in a very competitive market and it would be lovely to keep those downloads coming in. The more downloads we get, the more money we make and the more podcasts we can make for you. It's a beautiful symbiotic relationship. Come and see me on tour at richardherring.com. But otherwise, just, you know, go outside. Enjoy the spring air. It's beautiful out there. I love you all. Goodbye.